0: to Doctor Me First. I'm your colleague in medicine and coach in life, Dr. Aaron Wiseman. And I am really, really excited to share this conversation with you today. Even though I love all of my conversations, I love a good talk about sex, love, and relationship. And that's exactly what we get into today with Dr. Renee Hilliard. She is an OBGYN physician that found when she started doing this type of coaching she needed it for herself. And so she talks about her experience with realigning what her sexual life was like, understanding that pleasure goes beyond the bedroom, and then teaching other people all of these great tools and learning how to play again. So I think this is a super special one. It's a little bit of a long episode, but listen to it all the way through and then stick around afterwards for the kick of encouragement because you know it's going to be spicy. All right, here we go. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Renee Hilliard. (laughs) Tell our beautiful audience all about yourself and the magic you're doing in the world.
1: So, thank you first for having me here. I really appreciate this and I've listened to your podcast. I think it's amazing. Basically, I've, I've been a physician for 24 years now. Um, I've been an OBGYN for 20 years in private practice and I didn't know what to call it, but I found myself burnout pretty early in the game, You know, so right after I finished residency. And in fact, even during medical school, I started to have signs of burnout. And I just thought, you know, stressful situation, once this finishes, it'll be better. And then residency, once this is over, it'll be better. And I, I kind of slept walked through my 30s, really, um, just, you know, on the treadmill of, okay, I have to start this practice, I have to get referrals, I have to, you know, do all this stuff. And I just felt very dissatisfied with my life. Um, and, you know, I, I did a lot of self-examination a lot of reading self-help books and those kinds of things and even went to some retreats and things Um, but I just kept on moving because I thought that's what you were supposed to do I came from a family of physicians both my parents are doctors my sister is um, and just you know high achieving family in general Um, and you know you're just supposed to work hard that's what you're supposed to do and you know nobody really cares if you're suffering kind of thing so I, um, I, I started exploring the idea of, of just stopping obstetrics because it was so demanding you know waking up at three o'clock in the morning three or four times a week was was demanding um, and um, so I, I first cut back on the number of OB patients I would take um, you know I'd limited it to 10 but even that it was hard to say no to people I had delivered before that wanted to come in so everybody was you know crying the sob story about why I had to deliver them and, and I didn't honor my own nose um, so I kept on you know doing more deliveries than I wanted to do. And I finally said, let me just stop doing OB altogether because I, you know, I just was stressed out to the point where I was about to break. Um, you know, I had dreams of just fleeing to another country or something. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Yeah. And then, um, so once I stopped doing OB, I actually enjoyed GYN for a while. I did robotic training. And so I was doing a lot of robotic surgery and it was fun and new. And then after a few years that got old too. And I just realized that, that I just was in something I didn't really necessarily want to be in. It was just, it, it was something that that seemed right for me because I was smart and I was good at science and math. And, you know, I, I'm a do-gooder and I, I can follow all the rules. And so I did for a long time, but I wasn't very satisfied in my life. And my social life was mainly people that I worked with. Um, but I didn't have much of a social life outside of that just because I didn't have time to, and, and I kind of missed my window for having kids and I wasn't married and, um, and I just looked the in the mirror one day and I was like, this is your life, you know, this is your only life. And at some point, you know, you're going to be real lonely and you know, what are you doing this for? Who are you doing it for? So I started doing a lot of um, spiritual, um, exploration. Not, I'm not a religious person, but I just started going to retreats and seminars just around kind of new age, um spirituality. Um, and I got a lot of answers about my own life and my own path through that, through that whole dive into the rabbit hole. I came upon, um, some training, uh, for sex, love and relationship coaching. And at first I thought it would be something I would just add to my GYN practice where, um, I had a lot of patients that were struggling with the relationship, struggling with sexuality. You know, I have a lot of patients that have never had an orgasm or rarely do, or they're in sexless relationships and and or you know having a lot of trouble after menopause, those kinds of things. So I thought this would be a a nice adjunct to what I was offering as a gynecologist, but I realized that through the training program, this was something that that I had never really looked at for myself. Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, we're kind of given that message as as smart women that you can either be smart or you can be sexy, but you can't be both together. And, you know, we talk about other people's sexuality but not our own. And and I never really had given myself permission to live as free of a sexual life as I wanted to and i'm I'm you know pretty mainstream as far as the way that I practice my sexuality i'm I'm monogamous I just got married just allowing myself the ability to surrender and and you know just not have so much shame and guilt and all these other things around sexuality that I didn't even know I had i had uh, adopted as a, you know, living in this culture, we just all do, I think, um, to some degree, but, um, I didn't realize how much it impacted my life and my sexuality until I started unwinding some of the beliefs that, that were taught, uh, about sexuality. And then once I started coaching other people, I saw how much it would change their lives. And I realized that that was really my calling to help people kind of unwind all that conditioning.
0: So, yeah. You found your thing. Yeah, and isn't yeah. it amazing? Like you have to go through it yourself exactly, to help other people with the thing.
1: Right. Yeah. And the, the, the coaching certi- certification I went through was really genius. And that the first five months was really us going through it ourselves, like, you know, practicing on each other and like unwinding some of the conditioning that we had Adopted, and I didn't even realize how heavy that stuff is. Mm-hmm. Um, but starting at the age of four, we start getting conditioned about what a girl is, what a boy is, you know, and that sex is dirty and shameful, and your genitals are dirty and you know smelly and gross, and and if you have sex, then you're going to get shamed about it, and it's you know and and ostracized and all the things. Yeah. Oh my yeah.
0: gosh, I was listening to a great podcast. I've shared it a couple times on here um, about the trauma that the purity movement has done on several generations now. And so, well, I love it. And I love, we're just going to go right along with those terms and with your words as sex, love and relationship coaching. So tell our audience and tell me a little bit more, what's your biggest takeaways now becoming a sex and love and relationship coach?
1: Yeah. So for, for me, the main thing with the, the sex coaching is that, that we're, we're taught that sex is, is supposed to be about a goal. It's supposed to be about orgasm. And if you don't have an orgasm, you didn't do it right. And it's all about pleasing your partner and all this. But um, I learned that that from even before you start the act of intercourse, you can start having pleasure, you know, the, just the anticipation of it you can have pleasure if you even schedule a sex date with your partner and pleasure really should be the goal. And most of us don't focus on that and trying to bring all five senses into the experience, you know, um, early on when we're with a partner, we, we tend to, you know, turn on the sexy music and all of this and, and dim the lights and I light the candles, all those things. But as we've been in in a relationship for, for a period of time, all that kind of falls away and it becomes more like a chore and just real, you know, stale and (laughs) boring, but bringing those things back, those elements back into the experience really helps you, um, experience more pleasure in it. Um, and, um, I teach people to bring those, those elements back into it. And a lot of people fear this, you know, scheduled sex dates, you know, they, they don't have sex as much as they want to and they have busy lives, but, and they're like, Oh, that just takes all the fun out of it to to schedule a sex date, but it actually can kind of turn up, Turn up your anticipation and 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 excitement and your and your uh, creativity. You know, if you're looking forward to a sex date, then you think about all the things that you can bring into it, and you know you can make a nice sexy playlist and and get the room ready for it and that kind of thing. And so you can you can actually make that sexier than it sounds.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I know when I was working with my coach back in 2018, one of her questions is, Erin, do you have pleasure in your life? And this is after I kind of already started working through my burnout change in my life, but just realizing so many of us as female physicians, we have such a lack, like a deficit of pleasure in our life because we have been so self-sacrificing. And like you said, that negative that self-talk or or that conditioning of you can either be smart or you can be sexy so ingrained into our culture mm-hmm. tell us a little bit more how pleasure can extend just beyond the act of sex
1: yeah yeah so in my my life you know we we're all busy people so i started just thinking about ways that you can incorporate pleasure into just normal everyday experiences so even my commute to work i'm looking at the way that the seasons are changing the trees. You know, I look at the, the cloud patterns. I look at license plate combinations and play little games in my mind. You know, play actually is something that we lose as we get older. We think that we're supposed to stop playing for some reason as adults. But if you start playing little games with yourself on your commute to work, it makes it a lot more pleasurable. Um, even things like taking a shower. Most of us just get in there and get her done, you know, just like like we're in the car wash or something, but just to, you know, buy some nice scented soaps and really take the time and just feel the way the water is, is, you know, hitting your body and, and, and just, you know, the five minutes that you're in the shower, just make that as pleasurable experience as you can. Putting lotion on your body can be a pleasurable experience instead of just, you know, like, like you're based in a Turkey or something, you know, (laughs) you can buy
0: the expensive lotion that you like to smell.
1: Get it. Exactly, and actually, sit there and smell it i i 've actually gone through my house and gone through the spice cabinet and just like taken pleasure in the different scents and all the different spices in my spice cabinet. And it sounds crazy, but you can bring pleasure into just about anything um, if you if you're mindful of it and and it grounds you in the present moment, which is where life is happening um, you know so it it really takes you out of you know thinking about the past and which is a recipe for depression. Or thinking about the future projections, which is a recipe for anxiety um, and staying present in the moment in your five senses actually helps you um, just experience more pleasure in life. Um,
0: exactly. Let's hit that second component of your word phrase, which is love. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit more about that. Yeah.
1: Well, I think love really starts with self-love, you know, and in, in just realizing that in order to offer love to anybody else, you really have to be full of love yourself. Um, so i I have my clients look at how they 're talking to themselves first. Um, you know most of us talk to ourselves a lot worse than we would talk to our best friend or our dog or, or child, um, but I have people start being mindful of the way that they 're speaking to themselves, um, even one minute in the mirror and giving yourself three compliments for every criticism that you that you offer yourself um, can help to to put yourself on your best friend list and, and appreciate yourself in, you know, um, even things like scanning your body and thinking about all the organs that are working perfectly. You know, we always think about the one thing that's not, you know, my foot's hurting or whatever, but look at all the things that are lining up exactly right in your life. Um, and, you know, with your health, with your with your family um, and giving gratitude every day for those kinds of things. Um, but But also just treating yourself you know, we, we think about taking other, you know, people out to dinner, friends and family and things like that, but do that for yourself every day. You know, even if you're just going to have lunch by yourself, think about what's the, the most, you know, rewarding thing I can do for myself in the short period of time that I have and, and really, you know, take good care of yourself. And once you're filled up with love from yourself and, and, you know, if, if, you have a connection with source or universe or God or whatever, you know, higher power. Also filling up with the love from that, you know, if that resonates with, with you. Um, and then you have something to offer other people. You know, we think about that, you know, fill your cup up first or put your oxygen mask on first. Um, and that's that's what self-love is to me is just filling yourself up so you have something to offer other people instead of, you know, depleting your tank to the point where you, you know, you can barely even function anymore so um and then the other piece of that is is act in loving ways towards your loved ones you know a lot of times we are so stressed and burnt out at work that we come home and we take everything out on our loved ones and and it takes a lot of patience to be with somebody who has a high stress lifestyle um and we just take it for granted that they're supposed to just you know adopt to whatever you know our our lifestyle requires we don't think about the fact that 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 is something that they're doing for us because of something that we chose, they didn't choose our career. um, But to thank them for being patient or having to, you know, break plans with, with people over and over and over again, you know, a lot of times we just assume that they're supposed to do that, but, but actually offering thanks for their being patient with us and and helping us out more than, than, you know, than uh, a lot of partners have to because because of our lifestyles. Absolutely. um,
0: I love that so much because it's so true that we really can get stuck in our own heads and take advantage of all of those around us. And I love your self-love because that's exactly where Dr. Me first came from. You know, I was doctoring other people so well and, and I was like the septic patient in the corner getting no care. (laughs) So I love that as well. And then talk about the third component of your coaching with relationships. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, one thing that I I realized going through my training is that that we get almost no information on how to relate to other people. Like there's no class in high school on how to relate to people, but that's one of the things that that determines how meaningful your life is going to be. Your your close interpersonal relationships with people from friends to family to to you know, intimate partners. And we just don't have a lot of skills that we learn on in those things. So, um, you know, they, they are skills, meaning that you can learn them, but, but relating with other people is one of the most important things that we can do that, you know, changes the the trajectory of your life. Um, but, um, most of us just don't have a lot of skills. We either mimic what our parents did or, you know, what our caretakers did or, you know we pick up things along the way, but it 's not really intentional and and just bringing that intention back to it and and um, relating to people in a way that is as mo- as loving as you can can uh, relate to them as possible, assuming the best rather than the worst when people do something you know um, a lot of times we jump to oh they 're doing this because they they don 't care about me. What else could be true? You know, maybe they just don't understand that whatever they did is triggering you and just, you know, it's on you to, to communicate to that person that whatever they did is, is a trigger for you instead of assuming that they know that um, because of your upbringing or because of, you know, whatever your sensitive spot is. Um, but learning to communicate those things to partners um, is really important. Yeah. Um, and I
0: think too, one thing that wasn't taught either besides exactly how to relate to people is that the relationship is going to change. Like it's it's just right. going to, so you get to change with it and you get to redo all these skills over again. That yeah. has been a lesson in the Wiseman household for
1: sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I think of, of a love relationship as a relationship that pushes you to your growth edge and, and calls you to grow. You know, It's almost like a mirror into yourself and seeing where you're, where you're needing to up-level. Many times we think it's somebody else's problem. You know, If we're not relating well with somebody, it's their problem, but many times it, it's really a reflection of what you're doing and taking radical responsibility for what you're doing in the relationship, even if it just is the fact that you're not communicating how somebody's hurting you repeatedly or what your needs are. Um, that is something that anybody can do. You don't have to have a partner's, you know, uh, like co-signing on the whole thing. You can, you can actually uplevel the relationship yourself just by taking radical responsibility for your part in it. And that usually will allow the partner to, to grow as well because they see that you're growing and developing and, and, you know, taking responsibility for yourself. And and many times they'll, they'll up-level and start taking more responsibility for themselves too.
0: Oh gosh. I just love this so much because I think it is, they're so important topics that have been so neglected for so long. And I'm so excited to call you friend and colleague. If there are other listeners who are like, gosh, this really resonates with me. I love what she's saying. I would love to get more. Um, What's your website and what resources do you have for
1: them? Yeah. So my website is Renee Um And if you go to the website, it explains a little bit more about the coaching that I do and it really is personalized. So, you know, you can have a pretty good relationship and still benefit from sex level relationship coaching, or it could be, you know, right on the brink of disaster and you <laughs> and you can benefit. So it's, it's not necessarily that, that your relationship is, you know, terrible it's just anybody who's wanting to have a better relationship um, or somebody who's dating and wants to you know start a conscious partnership with with a new person and look at what things that they can do to try to try to enhance their chances of having a really um good relationship in the future also Um, but if they go to the website there's a section where they can um Uh, fill out the contact form and I'll send them a free audio and then also invite them for a free session um, just to get to know what the relationship coaching is like. Well,
0: that's great. Well, thank you so much for offering that to the audience and you all better get on it because I know you all need more love and pleasure in your lives. And Dr. Renee, just thanks you so much for coming on the podcast. It's so great to get to know you, to add you to my network and to call you coaching friend.
1: Yeah, thank you so much um these tools you know they really have helped me just you know the whole the holistic aspect of it you know just learning to to take moments to feel into my system and how i'm feeling you know in my gut in my heart in my in my head instead of just powering through things and yeah i can handle this and whatever but but just to bring the pleasure back to my life by checking in with myself and 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 you know trying to unravel all those pieces that are really holding me from having my best life so um and i want to be able to offer that to to other physicians that are in the same spot you know and i I really love your podcast and how it shines that light on self-care and um and and normalizes burnout you know i think most physicians go through burnout but most of us are afraid to ask for help or or look for help anywhere and and i think this is amazing that we have a forum that we can you know really talk about our own experiences and and try to try to you know make our lives better so. thank you so much
0: You so much Dr. Renee Hilliard for coming on and sharing about your new line of work in sexual medicine really. If you go to her website, you can check out Seriously Sexy, that is her coaching program. I've already looked it all over. I think it's amazing. I think that we probably need to do an episode of Married with an Alpha Female and have Renee come be our mediator or at least help us tune up our relationship because I mean, I'll be perfectly transparent. There's always work to be done, right? And so I think Renee is going to be a great resource for myself, but also for everyone else who's listening out there in podcasting world. So go check out her website. The link is in the show notes. Sign in for the contact information and she will send you that free audio and you get a free call with her. I mean, it's a win-win situation no matter how you split it. And with the kick of encouragement today, I just want to echo so many things that we talked about in this conversation. Like you can have pleasure. You don't have to do anything to quote unquote deserve it. Just in your life, you can have pleasure. It doesn't have to be sexual pleasure all the time. Maybe it's like me in 2018. I bought a candle legitimately that cost $75. I couldn't believe I was spending that much on a candle. But honest to God, it is the best smelling candle ever. Everyone in my family loves it when I burn it. It's huge. I mean, it's like ginormous candle. I mean, $75 worth of candle. It better be fucking huge. Anyway, it's lasted for so many months and we love it. We love when I get to light it, keeping the children out of the fire, of course, and get to experience it. You know, other things that I recently have found pleasure with was on a hike recently. And just, I got this overwhelming sense of just awe and just stood there in the middle of nature at eight o'clock in the morning. It was like, wow, wow, this is an amazing experience. I'm so glad that I'm in this place in this moment. So I encourage you just remember in all of your experiences you're moving through the day, it's not always about completion as the goal or perfection as the goal. What if you made pleasure as the goal, of the experience of the moment as the goal? I know it's made a huge shift in my life. I know that I've really since focusing on experientialness, I guess you could say, of the moment rather than always like pushing forward to the next thing, to the next milestone. That I've really come to a place of enoughness. I was just journaling about this the other day and and talking with a friend as well when I said, I never realized what the feeling was of enough. And and I kind of related it back to like food. Like when you're not paying attention, you're just eating and shoving it down the hallway as you're running to like the next patient room never get to experience what like enoughness and satiety ever actually feels like and I finally feel like for the first time in my life I can say we have enough I have enough and just sitting in that has been really really weird I'm not gonna lie like I have goals how I want to achieve but that's not like the main mo anymore it's just Realizing that life is happening now, my children are growing up now, I'm practicing medicine this way now, and just sitting in that and and, and enjoying it, that satiety, I guess, in life. So that's what I hope for you, friend, is that you can find your measure of enoughness. And I think pleasure goes right along into that, along with talking about that you really truly do have permission. And also... You are extremely lovable, exactly where you're at, who you are, and what you're doing today. Your existence is lovable. So virtual squeeze from me, and remember, your life, your calling, your pulse.